We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever. Wonderful. Well, um, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome again to Hope Church. My name's Chris, and um, I'd love to extend uh, my welcome to you along with Marissa's. Um, It's so good to kind of be gathered together, to be online as well, and um, it's fantastic for me because for the first time in 10 months, I get to speak to people and not to a camera, which is just fantastic. So, um, yeah, isn't it, isn't it good to, to be together? And thank you so much, worship team, for all you've done, tech team, and decorations team, for putting this together, all the people that have worked hard to make sure that we can be in a COVID-secure way to, to meet in this way. Um, it's just great. Thank you so much for coming. And last week, Rahana so wonderfully kicked off our Christmas series, looking at the nature and character... <laughs> Um, and characteristics that Isaiah describes of the Messiah. And as Rahana so helpfully shared with us, these names um, that describe God, and uh, they do that and they tell us what this Messiah to come will be like. And so last week um, we saw how um, this person was going to be a wonderful counsellor, majestic and magnificent in wisdom, and how it all points to Jesus and how Jesus is the true wonderful counsellor. And today we're going to look at what it means for him to be mighty God. Now, um, this year, I guess, with the handling of the kind of pandemic, with all the, the significant elections that have happened across the pond with the world's eyes on various leaders all, all across the world in, for various different reasons, from Megxit with Harry and Meghan and all of that, you know, that happened again this year, didn't it? And from all the talk from, about Brexit uh, to Brussels and, and all that's going on, our news feeds have kind of never been so full of people in authority. And like everyone, and, and literally everyone I've met, has some kind of opinion on how people should act, how they should govern, how they should lead their own lives, what they should say, what they should do, how they should make decisions. And I'm sure that at least one point in this year, you've probably, like me, have thought, oh my goodness, what on earth are they doing? Or what on earth are they saying? You know, that kind of thinking is nothing new. 
For centuries and for years, for, for generations, people have looked to leaders and looked to people in authority, looked to the, the God of gods, as it were, or the king of kings, the lords and ladies, looked to the, the royal uh, elite, looked to people in authority and despaired at their decisions. Do you know what? It's also happened in the Bible. And um, I, was, I was meant to click on. Thank you, guys, for doing that for me. Many years ago, in fact, around 700 years before Jesus was born, um, the Israelites, which is a name for the people of God, were in despair. They were in despair because leader after leader, they came and went, and they just seemed to progressively kind of get worse and worse. So much so that half of the, the kingdom of Israel was taken into exile. The Assyrians came and they took them over and they, they took them captive. And the remaining half, which is known as Judah, were on the brink of like doom and destruction. And so the people were in anguish. They were in anxiety. They were nervous. They were frightened uh, that they would be taken off because their leaders were corrupt and the foreign leaders were not any better that were going to come and take him over. And so Isaiah, a man of God, he came and spoke to the leaders of the southern kingdom of Judah, and he warned them of their appalling leadership. He warned them of their appalling attitudes, of their sin, of their corrupt nature, and he foretold of their destruction. But he also gave glimmers of hope and restoration and good news, light and redemption. Even in the midst of shocking leadership, he said there was going to be one to come, a mighty God who was going to come and rule and govern in a new way. And so this is what Isaiah says, and uh, he starts, I'm going to start from the beginning of the chapter, and he says these wonderful words. After kind of giving lots of messages of gloom and destruction, he says, nevertheless, there's going to be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the future, there will be honour and glory to Galilee for the nations. All people would know an honour and a glory instead of gloom. He's saying we can go from gloom to glory. And then he says the people walking in darkness, they have seen a great light. They're going to go from darkness to light as well as gloom to glory. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. He says, you have enlarged the nation. He says, this is declaring that the, the, the people of God is going to expand, that it will include all peoples that will come and know and, he, and increase their joy from sorrow to joy. They rejoice before you. The people rejoice at harvest. You know, harvest is a time of health and, and abundance and provision. And similarly, he, he says, as warriors rejoice when dividing plunder. It's a time of victory and wealth and prosperity. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across the shoulders, the rod of their pressure. And Midian... Um, Midian's defeat was a moment where a guy called Gideon, a mighty warrior, was anointed by God and he came and God gave an amazing victory where just 300 men defeated thousands. And what happened was that the yoke, the bar and the rod that oppressed them and burdened them was broken. 
And just like that day, there is this day coming where a mighty God is going to come, a new ruler, a new leader, and he will bring joy, glory, he will bring harvest and abundance. It will be a wonderful time. And these amazing words, everybody would have been hearing and listening and thinking, well, Isaiah, tell me more. How is this going to happen? Who's going to come and, and do this? What kind of mighty ruler is going to come? What, what legend is going to come and, and lead us and save us and, and uh, be the, the great leader that we hope for? And then he says those words that we've just heard, for to us a child is born. It's like, what? Isaiah, how, how can this happen through a child? To us, a, a son is given, and it's like, well, which is it, Isaiah? Is he, is he born by normal birth through a woman, or, or is he given by God? What's it going to be? Which one is it? And he, said, he goes on, the government will be on his shoulders. Instead of the old governments, instead of the, the old leaders, the ways of the past, there will be a new one to come. And he will be called, and then we get the character and the nature, a wonderful counsellor, as we heard last week. Mighty God, which we're going to explore this week. Everlasting Father, which we'll look at next week, and Prince of Peace the week after. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne. He's going to fulfill the promises and the expectations of all the old great kings and do even more. And his kingdom, he's going to uphold it. He's going to establish it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, because his kingdom is everlasting. It's just amazing that this was all foretold 700 years before Jesus came to be. And as we approach kind of this Christmas time, as it looks very different for many of us, as perhaps we have all sorts of expectations, frustrations, anxieties, burdens, fears, and hopes, as we all seek to kind of work out our Christmas bubbling and who's going to go where in our families and how everyone's going to meet. You know, I believe that God wants to speak to us again from the Christmas story. And uh, it doesn't, you know, it won't have gone past you that uh, right at the beginning, that very first Christmas, Jesus was very much in a similar place in isolation as he travelled back to Nazareth, to where all his family lived, as Joseph and Mary had to travel back to their hometown, as they arrived, none of their family, none of their household, none of the extended family, none of the people they knew from their hometown had any room in their homes for them. And they were left to be isolated by themselves. And Jesus was born in a manger, as we know. You know, even in his birth, he identifies with the situations that many of us can face now. And so it might be that you're looking at Christmas and feeling anxious or lonely or isolated. Well, do you know what? Jesus, he identifies with you and he resonates with one, us once again. But I guess before we get ahead of ourselves, it's good and it's quite right to ask, well, how do we know that Jesus, this baby that was born 700 years after Isaiah spoke these words, is in fact the wonderful counsellor, or is in fact the mighty God that Isaiah was talking about? Uh, how do we know this is who he was referring to? And that's a really great question that you ask, even if I kind of brought it up myself. And that's kind of really what I want to explore just for the last few minutes of this talk. 
Do you know what? In 1889, Scotland Yard um, had first turned a witness's recollections of a murderer into a sketch. It was kind of the first time that this kind of thing really happened. And that person's sketch was shown around the whole of the kind of the town and the city. And because this sketch was, was shown, quite quickly the murderer was caught. And ever since, forensic uh, artists all around the world have played a key role in law enforcement and bringing witnesses, recollections uh, to justice and uh, to, to fulfilment so that justice could be had. You know, even in today's CCTV world, eyewitnesses and eyewitness statements are key to bringing people to justice. And you know what? In an odd way, this kind of provides us with a rough analogy to the quest of identifying this mighty God. Because in the Old Testament, that's the, the first half of the Bible, the bit written before Jesus was born, Different prophets, numerous different people, they came and gave details about the identity of the Messiah and um, of this Christ and the one who was going to come and fulfill the promises of God, restore humanity to a relationship with him. And so what we can do in the same way as the sketch artist would do is we can map out and, and figure out what this Messiah would look like and then we can see who best in history fulfills that identity, who, who matches the sketch. You know, we've already heard already in Isaiah about this, um, these words about how for us a child is born. And we read how he, this person was going to be born into humanity, born of a woman, born of natural birth, but also that this person was going to be given by God. He was going to be a gift from God, not just born from humanity, but born miraculously through God. And Jesus fits that bill, doesn't he? Born of Mary the Virgin, but also born of the Holy Spirit. In Micah 5, we read about how this person was going to be born in Bethlehem. That's Micah 5, verse 2. Again, Micah prophesying years in advance, saying this, this person is going to be born through this little town of Bethlehem. In Isaiah 7, we read about how... Uh, Isaiah says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin is going to conceive and bear a son. And so we, we know it's going to come from a virgin birth, which, again, is just odd and, and remarkable in lots of different ways. All these things were foretold hundreds of years before Jesus was born and impossible for a mere human like me or you, actually, to make happen. You know, who here chose who their parents would be? Who here chose what country or even town they would be born in, who here chose how their birth would take place. None of us. And yet all these things happened for Jesus. In Isaiah 53, we don't only see about how he was going to be born, but also how he was going to die. And it, uh, it says, Isaiah tells us even there that he would be killed for the sins of many. He would be pierced for their transgressions. Yet God is going to uphold and restore him, just like we see happen with Jesus. Many other ver verses throughout the Old Testament tell us about how he would be known as the Alpha and Omega. He would be known as Lord, Saviour, King, Judge, Shepherd, Rock, Redeemer. Um, he would be known as Creator, Giver of Life, 
forgiver of sin. He would be known as one who speaks with divine authority. And it's just fascinating that in the New Testament, every single one of those is uh, attributed to Jesus more, on more than one occasion. And um, importantly, even Jesus applies many to himself. And as he acts with authority, as he forgives people's sin, which, again, is a weird concept. If um, Paul came and kicked me in the shin, I could forgive him. But if Marissa then turned and said, Paul, I forgive you for kicking Chris, I'd be like, get out of here. What are you talking about? You can't. It's my right to forgive. And yet Jesus does exactly that. He, other people sin against other people, and yet Jesus comes and forgives their sin in a way that only God can do. And that's why ultimately he was killed, because he was known as a blasphemer, because the religious elite knew that only God could forgive sins um, in that kind of way. John says in John 14, uh, sorry, Jesus says in John 14, if you really knew me, then you would know the Father as well. Knowing Jesus is knowing God. That's what Jesus claims of himself. He's saying, when you look at the sketch of this mighty God in the Old Testament, well, I meet the, the physical appearance. I meet it all in, in all its fullness, in all its likeness. Jesus is mighty God. And here's just a few verses from the New Testament that um, I want to just help you just bring it all to life. Um, in John 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is talking about Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. It's the echo of Isaiah. The light is coming into the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. The true light that gives Light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. We know that from the, right from the beginning, from the story in Bethlehem. They didn't receive him. There was no room in the inn. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or human decision or husband's will, but born of God. And John, he goes on to say, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son, Jesus, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And that's, that's just one snippet. I'm going to give you two more about Hebrews. So that's John 1, Hebrews 1. You don't even have to go far in, the, in each of the books. Just start with the first chapters and it tells you all you need to know. Hebrews 1, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets. As we read some already from Isaiah and Micah. At many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation, the sketch of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word after he had provided purification of sins, after he died for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty. He was restored to all that God gave him in heaven. It's just amazing verses. It's matching this. Lastly, what about Colossians 1? The Son is the image of the invisible God. He's the sketch. 
the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He's before it all. And in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Mighty God. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace, this governance of peace, through his blood shed on the cross. You know, isn't it amazing that the nature, the character, the sketch, if you will, of the mighty God throughout the Old Testament is fulfilled in every single way in the New Testament. Jesus is revealed to us as this mighty God. And it's not just about who he is, but also about how he will govern and how he will treat people. Isaiah says that his governance will be one of peace, righteousness and justice. And throughout Jesus' time on earth, throughout everything we read about him, he, that's exactly what he brought. Peace, he brought justice, he brought righteousness, he was humble, he washed people's feet, he sat with people that no one else would. He healed people, he forgave people, he ate with people that no one else would. He associated with all that were despised. He brought peace, love, kindness and light to the world. And yet, he was also just. He challenged wrong thinking. He upheld the cause of those in need. He wasn't scared to challenge those in authority uh, who were corrupt and hypocrites. You know... We, we kind of live in a day where we have just a wide variety of leaders of all sorts of situations, but it seems that very few people seem to care about how they live their private lives, what they do behind closed doors, how they treat their children and their, their spouses, their, their colleagues. And yet with Jesus, we find one who has no fault. We find one who in every way was blameless, kind, loving, peaceful, And, you know, there was no witnesses to poor behaviour. There was no witnesses to bad attitude. There was no witnesses to discrimination or deceit. This Jesus, this mighty God, he came and he showed a new way to govern and to lead. He established and he upholds his kingdom with righteousness and justice because Jesus is mighty God. He had full authority and God gave him the name that was above every name. And yet he acts with humility even laying down his life for me and you. It's such good news this Christmas. And, um, you know, we we live in a season, don't we? It's it's good for us to pray, because we live in a season where there's just lots of uncertainty. You know, are we coming out of lockdown or aren't we? Uh, Will we be back in lockdown after Christmas or won't we? Is there a deal or, or isn't there? You know, when's life going to be back to normal? Now we've got the vaccine. Is it, is it going to be all okay or is there still uncertainty? We just live in a world of much uncertainty. But do you know there is something that we can be certain of? There is something that we can be confident about. Just as Isaiah, Micah, Malachi and Jeremiah, others were confident of the Messiah that was to come. And just as John, Paul and... Uh, Jesus himself and the gospel writers point us to him, to Jesus. 
We can trust that Jesus is the light of the world. We can trust that the darkness won't put him out. We can trust that he is mighty God and the bringer of peace. So I don't know what this year has been like for you. I don't know what the season has been like for you. I don't know what Christmas is going to look like for you here or online. I don't know what your health or your relationships is like. I don't know what your family looks like. I don't know what your work looks like, what your jobs or your income looks like. I don't know what your mental or physical well-being and health looks like. But I do know one who is able to bring you joy in the midst of darkness, who's able to bring honour and glory in the midst of gloom, who's able to bring joy from sorrow and victory from seeming defeat. Because to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And he will be called Mighty God. Shall we pray? And we'll, we'll come back to worship. Maybe the worship team can start to come back up. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much that you are so gracious that you would send your son Jesus to be born, born of Mary the Virgin, but also born of you, God. And I thank you, Lord God, that in this Christmas story, in the truth that we can know and and understand, that we see a certain hope and a future, that as just as was foretold hundreds of years before, and as is shown and revealed in the New Testament, we can be confident, Jesus, that you are our King of kings, you're our Lord of lords, you're our God of gods, you're the leader of all leaders, you're the authority of all authorities, and the government will be on your shoulders. And it will be one of peace and restoration and justice. And I just pray for each of us that as we enter into this next season, whatever it looks like, that we would know your peace in our lives, that we would rejoice in the gloriousness of your son Jesus, that we would uh, revel and marvel at the majesty of this child, son, given to us. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. We want to worship you. We sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, because you are good and worthy to be praised. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchguildford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.